There's been a video uh, online that's gone viral over the last week or two um, of, of two... <laughs> I thought they were thinking, what did I say that was funny? Uh, oh, started well. Um, of two uh, toddlers running together. I don't know if you've seen this. It's probably come up on various things. Uh, two little toddlers running and uh, running each other for a while and then just enveloping each other in their arms and, uh, and really just this whole thing. It's just gone viral. And, it, um, and uh, I, again, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, I was going to, because the youth were in, I was going to show it, but then I just didn't have any time. So I've got no pretty pictures. I've got, uh, you're just going to have to use your imaginations. I hope that's okay. You know, and I've only got five minutes. Um, but uh, it made me um, ask this question, how do we re- approach God? What, um, what I mean by that is, is and, and here's a question, if Jesus came into this hall in the flesh, and we all knew it was Jesus, not someone pretending to be Jesus, but we all knew it was Jesus, what would be your response? Yeah, interesting. Anyone else? What would be your response? Come, yeah. Hug him. That's interesting, yeah. Run into his arms? That's right. Oh, I thought I'd get um, a whole bunch of other kind of um, responses. Anyone else that wants to be different? Burst out crying, yeah. Have a, yeah. Nikki? Pardon? I can't hear you. Father. Father. Oh, right. So you're... Hello, bro. <laughs> um, you'd offer him a coffee, yeah? <laughs> uh, but it's in this kind of subject I want to talk because that's really interesting. And that shows something about our understanding of God. And what it shows is that actually we have learned what it means to be in relationship with God. See, the reason, that, see, I think what happened is I think there would be such a joyful celebration when Jesus walks in the room. I think we would just get caught up and almost like just something in us would just rise this, in this excitement, much like these two toddlers that saw each other and they ran with this real kind of you know, excitement and just grabbed each other and, and then they, you see them running off down the road um, together. And, and I think that is what, uh, what the Lord wants to say. Amen. So I don't think you don't look like I need to preach it. But as a youth here, I want to say that in about 30 to 40 minutes worth of um, text. I'm not getting anything out of these front row people. I will, I will win. Uh, I will win with those if I can't win with my own child sitting at the back there. Look, Because um, the other question was, would we fall on our faces in reverent worship? See, there's another question. Some of you may have been thinking that. If Jesus came in the room... I would but fall on my face and just worship him. Um, and, you know, rather than the kind of run and wrap our arms around him. And, and actually, both of those responses are, are not wrong. They're appropriate. And they're appropriate in different situations. If you went into Revelation chapter 1, you see John who saw Jesus and he fell at his feet um, and we, we, we understand that in the scripture that, that Jesus, and what John saw, I think everyone would fall on their feet. I mean, the sword coming out of his mouth, bright shining. I think, yeah. Um, but but and, and that response is appropriate. But I think that, you know, let me read these verses. This is Matthew 18, verse 3. Don't have to turn to it. Where I won't read the verse because I haven't written the verse down. But it's, it says, it's in this passage, it says, about that we need to come to Jesus like children. And in fact, he says, unless you come 
like children, then you, I can't remember the rest of the verse, um, but, and then the other one is 1 John 3 verse 1, now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him, this is the important bit, in shame at his coming. Now what that means is, is that yes, we may fall on our face in worship, which is very different in shrinking back in fear, in shame. See, if your response to that of Jesus, the thought of Jesus would be, I don't know whether I could stand in his presence because I feel ashamed of you know, the thoughts I've had this week or the things I've done or uh, this, this kind of thing. And, and I had this thought, just an aside. Um, we need to be willing to bring our shame to church. And shame keeps people away from church. And it's a sign that shame is keeping them away from Jesus. So if you feel ashamed of anything, bring your shame to church because church should be a place of love and a family where, yeah, you might be challenged, but you will probably be reminded of the grace of God. That should be the response. Amen? So I did have this other saying. This is for the young people. Bring your butts to church. B-U-T-S. You know, but, you know, I want to butt this, but that. That was a, I can't remember the preacher's name. But he said, I can't do this, but, you know, I would come, but this. Oh, but I don't feel good enough. Bring your butts to church because you'll probably leave them at the door. Yeah? That was good, wasn't it, Mary? Yeah. Still got... Oh, Lord, give me, please. Anoint me. Um, and, I, and so t- this is, this is my, uh, what I want to bring this morning. And this is, uh, if you like, this is my uh, hypothesis want of another word, this is, I want to make a statement and then I want to share some stuff which I believe through the scriptures that this is true. And there's two things. First of all, our approach to God is primarily one of joyful celebration. Okay? Primarily. Okay? Number two, reverence, now to, the, to those who are younger than 25 years old, reverence means respect. Because we don't use that word anymore. The fear of God. Um, where, but it's that respect where we hold someone in awe and honour. That reverence. So reverence in its fullness is outworked in joy. Okay? Now, this, so uh, often we think reverence, when we go to before the Lord, and I say there are appropriate responses, that our primary response to the Lord in reverence is that we are almost, where we are silent, where we are bowed head, where on our faces and things like that. Again, I'm saying, not saying that might not happen. I'm saying our primary response is joy, joyful celebration. Um, and, and that will have an impact on when we do things that put that into practice. I come to the Lord every day in relationship as his child. What's my response? I come to the Lord every day um, responding to situations in the light of who God is and my response in that way. I come to the, to the Lord in church, together as a church family, in worship, in joyful celebration. That's what I believe is the best way I can hold God in absolute honour and reverence. Now, there are times, as I'll, I'm sure I'll say later, where the response is different. And um, not wanting to jump ahead, but this is the key. Reverence in that way... And I'm not talking about religious piety. It's another old word you can Google, young people, piety. I had to Google it, don't worry. That, that old kind of uh, piety in the true sense of the word means humility, 
It, it means to put God first, but often it becomes about duty and being uh, moralistic, you know, having good morals, and, um, and it can mean that someone who's pious, uh, if I exaggerate a bit, can be quite staunch and very kind of uh, severe, yeah. Uh, you know, it's all about duty and keeping, you know, this is what we do here, there, and here. So, anyway, so that's my hypothesis. Reverence in its fullness is outworked in joy, and our approach to God is one primarily of joyful celebration. Now, let's get to Psalm 16. So, if you, uh, if I'm just going to read it through, and then I'm just going to just read some bits out of it and comment on it, and then uh, uh, let's just trust that the Holy Spirit. Let's pray, shall we? we haven't prayed, have we? Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we want to honour you. In every part of our lives, whether it's in our church life, home life, work life, social life, every part of us, we want to honour you. We want to honour you in our hearts, in our minds, with our bodies, Lord. So will you just help us to know how we do that, that best honours you. What is the way you're looking for that to happen? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to show, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What a wonderful psalm. It's a prophetic psalm. If you know uh, Acts, you will know, you might re remember some of those verses from Peter's preach uh, where he prophesies of Jesus. And you can, and I, I read a sermon of Spurgeon who, who uh, really clearly showed that this was, you can put this into the voice of Jesus and read it as his, as his psalm. But as with uh, prophetic things, they originate with, uh, with, with David who wrote it, and it's his cry and his love and his worship to the Lord. So we can learn from it. But I'm just going to jump straight to the end there, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. There is one path, amen, that of life. Young people, there is one path. This world will tell you there are many paths. There is one path of life. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, he's, and he said, only through me can we come to the Father. There is no two ways about it. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. There is no other way. I really want to make this clear. That everything in this world will seek to tell you that there are different ways. They may all look the same, but there is one way, and that is through Jesus. 
Okay? Amen? amen. You, young people, you can say things like amen, go, yeah, preach it. Nice one. Um, what, I know what young people language is. Uh, as soon as I start using it, they are change it anyway. But that's true. And this is a key. See, this is a key. And sometimes we, look, um, we overlook this in our understanding of the Bible. We forget it in our lives. And I was really encouraged by what Guy said, that we are, when you see these flames, and that reminded me of Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church and revealed himself through flames on people's heads. And, um, but this whole thing about the, the, uh, the power of the Spirit that's filled the church and brought the church alive. Amen? Have you been brought alive? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4 to 6. God, our God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Have you come alive? Now, you young people particularly, I want to tell you this. If, if, uh, many of you are brought up in, in church. And I say this, and I will say this ten times every Sunday if I'm preaching to get used to it. Okay? You, uh, can I say it? Have you come alive in God? That's very different to have you responded in a meeting to give your life to Jesus? Have you come alive? There's something about that which is, a, which is a completely different from the deadness of our situation to coming alive. And you can call it whatever you want. But what is important is it's when the Spirit of God baptises you in his fire and in his life. And something in your life, and I'm not just talking to the young people as well, you know, something in our lives comes alive. And, and there's no other way to say it. It is the path of life which is different. It is completely different. And it is completely different from turning up at church every week, being called to the front to sit in seats, or standing in our meetings, humming along to songs. It's something comes alive. And I was encouraged by, I won't point them out, someone said to me, and I'm, I'm going to translate this, I feel the Holy Spirit growing inside of me, and I'm thinking, you're coming alive. Yeah. And something is changing. And it's a wonderful thing. And we don't need to get into the, what, the, what people, different ways people see how that happens. The fact of the matter is it needs to happen. Amen? Yeah. Whether it happens in a, in a moment, whether it happens five years along or something. But this is the point. Don't stop believing that your life is Christian until you know you've come alive, Mary. Yeah? I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about don't settle for anything less than being alive in the Lord. Amen? Yeah. You know, pursue it. Live for it. Even if you don't understand it, bother your youth leaders about it. Go to them and say, yeah, but I don't understand, Becky. You know, John said I need to be alive. Why am I not alive? And then you, you put it on them because they're responsible for you to disciple you and lead you. Amen? Yeah. We get the support of them. Give them trouble. Get the Bible out. But it says here, I've been made alive. It says here that I'm dead to sin. It says here that sin has been rendered powerless in, in, in Romans chapter 6. It says that I've, you know, I'm being baptised in the Spirit. Tell me, why is this not happening in my life, Becky? Oh, wouldn't you just, anyone who's involved in me, wouldn't it be great if people kept knocking into asking those questions? You know? The path of life. You make known to me the path of life. 
And here's a key right back in verse chapter 2, okay? You listen to this, young people. Um, verse 2, I say to the Lord. Now, this is crucial. Crucial if you want to be made alive. If you want some kind of form of Christianity that makes you feel somewhat morally good, then you ignore this. But if you really want the truth, this is what it is, okay? I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Now, again, we don't use Lord so much in, in, the, in our kind of language. Here's, here's another way. You are my master. All right? Yasmin, you got that? Good to see you're making notes on your phone. No. You are my master, my Lord. You are my authority. You are my guidance. You are the one who determines my choices. You are the one who will lead me here, there and everywhere. I'm not going to take responsibility for my life anymore. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to listen to you. And when there's something that I want to do and you don't want me to do, I'm going to go your way. That's what it means to be Lord. It means it's, the, it's, it's about starting from that. I tell you, anyone who takes that, and we need the help of the Holy Spirit to get to that point. But when we get to that point, I tell you what, you will come alive. I, I guarantee it. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Because when you come alive, you realise how dead the past was, how dead the world is, how dead the pleasure to this world are. You come alive. And you see it for all its deadness. But when you're dead, you think you're alive. And you're looking at all these good things. And you're looking at these things and thinking, how good are these things? And you're just dead in deadness, thinking dead things are alive. Amen, Benjamin? <coughs> Amen. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Have you come to that? Have you come to the realisation that I know no good comes from being apart from God. It's all in God. He is my treasure. Have you seen that? Have you experienced that? Do you know that? Is that your pursuit? You know, we're not all perfected, but is it your pursuit? As I said to you young people particularly, but all of us, don't stop pursuing these things because in them you will find your treasure and you'll find him. Amen. Amen. What about the other option, he says? This is what the Bible says about the other option, which is basically the world. The sorrows of those who run after the world, I've put that in, this is verse 4, shall multiply. The sorrows shall multiply. Their drink, he's saying, I'm not going to get involved in their kind of worship. He's saying the sorrows, if we just keep going the way of the world, nothing gets better. And at least, at least let's look at the evidence. Of course, people may have, and because the big thing about being better in this world is having riches. You look at people with riches and it doesn't necessarily translate to the inner life, does it? But we have this wonderful secret, this key, knowing Jesus. And this is the experience um, in verse 3, as for the saints in the land, they are the, as for the Christians, they're the excellent ones. They're the excellent ones. Just say that to the person next to you. Go on, go for it. Even if you don't, you're excellent, excellent. You are excellent. What a privilege, isn't it? To be excellent. I don't know what the Hebrew word for that is, but I, I might look into that. In whom is all my 
delight. Now, let's take Spurgeon's view of this passage. This is, this is the prophetic word of Jesus. Jesus is saying that, and he's saying it, even in the Lord, preserve me, O Lord God, and you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Imagine Jesus saying this, and he says, as for the saints in the land, as for the saints, and they are excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. That's Jesus, in whom you are his delight. Isn't that wonderful? But the other option, the sorrows of this world, the other way, Matthew 7, 13 to 14, enter by the narrow gate, the one way of Jesus, for the gate is wide and is easy, the way is easy and it leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find that narrow way are few. You young people do not understand the privilege that you are in of knowing this way. And I know full well because I grew up in the same situation as most of you young people. And not wanting to embarrass you, but what a blessing that this guy's here. What's your name again? Miguel. Miguel. He's entered into this way. I'm sorry to pick on you, but I tell you, don't stop until you've come alive. Amen. And maybe it has, I don't know you that well, but something in your side you just... Whatever that means. Yeah, Miguel, just do that. Go on, But for me, verse 5 is this, but for me, he is my treasure. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. That's language for you are all of my blessing. You are all of my provision. You are all of my treasure. You know, the, 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 the parable of the man who, or the woman, I think, I don't know, he thinks the man with the field, he goes and he finds this pearl in the field and he sells all that he has and he buys the field in order to get that pearl. I think that's the, I might have mixed up a few of them there, but that's okay. Um, uh, to sell everything you've got, young people, for Jesus. That one of those things that preachers say really off the cuff and really easy, isn't it? But that's what he's saying. Um, and then he goes on, verse 8. Let's just keep this momentum. I have set the Lord always before me, always before me. That's the word there, always. Don't give up. Yeah. Trust him through the tough times. He's always there. And listen to this. He's always before me. He's at my right hand and I shall not be shaken because I want to say to this, knowing other bits of scripture, he's before us, he's behind us, he's in the side of us and he's inside of us. He's all around us and so we will not be shaken. Um, this is how wonderful our Jesus is. Is before me. I tell you what, every day when you leave this room, something's going to be presented in your eyes that's going to want to draw you away from the truth that we're hearing through Psalm 16. And Paul actually says this, and this is his attitude as a disciple, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to lies ahead. You know, I pursue God. I pursue, um, but yet I'm pursuing him, and yet I see him there going, come on, John. And then, and then I, I look, I look um, uh, behind me, all the t uh, if you like, and then I see him just fielding off people. And he's like, so I've got your back, John. That's the picture I have. Everything is for us, actually, in the, in, the, in the reality. The real reality is to pursue God. We just need to have the attitude to go along with him. Verse 9 says, Therefore, my heart is glad... And my whole being rejoices. Amen. My heart is glad. We don't use the word glad anymore. Do you? 
Do you, Esther, use the word glad? I'm glad that you're off the television because I'm glad that I can watch my program or I'm glad. <laughs> I don't use, it, uh, use that kind of word. But um, my whole being rejoices. My soul is doing jumps up and down. My spirit is doing the old shake. My body is just flapping their arms around. I don't know, whatever your worship. But that's, for me, to me, what it means. What does it mean that my whole being, my body rejoices? It means that something, as I get closer, and this is a journey, if you read it in this way, it's a journey, and the, the refuge, if you like, and he's seeing this journey, this path into the presence of God. The closer I get into the presence, there's this, we sing that song, praise is rising, don't we? Praise is rising, gladness is stirring. My whole being has come together in praise and worship. Even my, my aches and pains are being forgotten because something is overriding that because I want to praise him because there's something about his presence that is joyful. And then he goes on and he says even this. He says, my flesh also dwells secure. Uh, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, which was the place of the dead, the pit. Or let your Holy One see corruption. Now again, I think that this is written to us. It's the prophetic word of Jesus, but it's written to us. And, and we are holy, set apart by the Lord. He will not let us see corruption. In other words, we will rise again. This is new life, eternal life. This is when we die, we will rise again in glory. Tomorrow, we celebrate Danny, um, his life, but we know that he's risen, whether that's happened in our our time works for eternity. He's risen in incorruptible life. Amen? Amen? And this is what he's saying. My, but my flesh, my body, right now, dwells secure. Now, that, what that means is, is, is not that we will never get sick or anything like that, but I'm securing God where I'm at in my body Amen. right now. I'm securing God. Amen. Where are we up to? Right back to the beginning. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And this is why I wanted to make that suggestion to you. That when we come into his presence we come in reverence. And the primary outworking of that is joy. Because that's where you find joy. Here's another little side. Go and look at this, this verse. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not my joy. God has a joy. And he has a joy, and we find it in his presence, because that's where he is. But when we get there, we find this joy in our heart. And, and um, what a wonderful thing. You know, when people say, and I've heard this said, and I don't know if you thought this at all, you know, eternity is a long time. Yes, that's just going to be a really long meeting. And I don't know if I've, I don't know if I really want that. I, I want, I'd rather what they call it when everyone just gets sort of dis, discreated, whatever. Annihilation. Yeah, I, I just give me annihilation. I don't know if I can bear with a meeting for eternity. Can you imagine it, Mary? But I tell you what, if it's in the presence of God and there's fullness of joy, and look at this language again. I haven't looked at the Hebrew, but. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What is this language? What are these pleasures? This is wonderful. And, and, and yeah, you could quite... Uh, fundamentally, this is following on from this. 
When I die, when I see corruption, I will rise again and be in heaven, there's fullness of joy. But the, there, Hebrews, if you look at Hebrews, first of all, you go to Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. We've been made alive. We have access because we've made alive. There's no fear. We come standing for this awesome God, this powerful God, and yet we can come in like children and sit on his knee, just like Jesus showed. And he said, don't stop the little children coming unto me. And so we can have this access. But equally then, he also says in chapter 12, if you read this from verse 22 onwards, he's saying, he's saying, listen, this is what it looks like. There was a day where they were fearful of the mountain, but should we go to it quickly? I've got, I've got time, and I? I've got time, yeah? All right? Am I all right, Mary? Yeah? Amen. Mary just said, amen. You go for it, John. She said it in her head, but I, I kind of interpreted her face a bit. Don't go on. <laughs> you was encouraging me last time. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable angels in feet, a festal gathering to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood. That's where it gets into the kind of theology things. But this is the thing. Imagine this amazing worship meeting, this praise meeting of joy, that if you read those two passages, it's completely changed. We've come into joy. That's where I'm going on that. You can go and, and think on that. See, I think that, that it is possible that we can have a wrong idea of reverence or respect, that we actually come at what looks like we're ashamed at coming into his presence. Now, I'm not suggesting that's anyone here, but that's, that's what the Lord put on my heart. I want you to come with joy. Come with joy and enjoy me. And, you know, and there, there will be a time, and this has happened to me, where I've been praising God and something in my heart, and I've said this before, I, I don't have that many stories, so I'll repeat them, but where I just felt, John, you've got to go down and lay on your face. And I've wept like a baby, and I have no idea why. But I did it because I loved the Lord. I didn't do it because I felt ashamed of anything or upset about anything. But that, to me, was what worse the response of the presence of God was. I didn't come to that meeting. Sorry. I didn't come to that meeting. I, I need to lay, you know, I'm going to lay down. That's what I'm going to do for wh whatever reason. But it was the response to the Lord. And maybe you might turn up one Sunday and you've already been in the presence of God and you're like, do you know what? I just know I need to get on my face. And praise God, do it. Do it wherever you need to do it. Do it down there on the floor. Come to the front. Do it at the side. I know we're not, we're not doing it for anyone else. But let's make our primary reverence be rooted in joy. Here's another thing. And this is something I really appreciate from Guy. Again, I don't want to make a big thing about Guy. But Guy had, whether it's not just one emphasis or an emphasis or a heart, to, to help us understand that he is our father and we are his children. Amen. That comes across quite a lot with Guy. And amen. He is our father and we are his children. And, and Daniel said the other week, he used to come home from work and his kids would run up to him and say, you know, Daddy, you're home. And now they're kind of like rarely lifting their head up from their devices and things like this, you know, as they get older. But isn't that the response that God wants from his children? Right, I'm, I'm bringing this down to a close. Well done, kids, um, and those of us who are older. 
the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Not endure him. Not to fear him. Not to even honour him, although that's implied. Enjoy him. How are we doing? How are you doing on enjoying God? Now, I realise for some situations coming to... As I was preparing this, um, and I was just in some of my thoughts, on Saturday morning, I was walking some situations occurred in my, in my life that was one of disappointment. And I'm walking down the road, and I'm like, I've got to find the joy of the Lord in this. The Lord's like saying, it's got to be rooted in reality, John. None of this kind of fluffy, kind of let's all be happy. But, and sometimes I realise, I've got to dig deep for joy. Joy is not me just being happy. Yeah. Me is finding deep down. Do you know what? I've got all this stuff that's bothering me or concerning me or whatever, all this stuff here. But I tell you what, down there, there's joy in my heart. Joy in my heart. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I want to just thank you that you're willing to take us shame and all. Lord, you're not wanting to hold it over us every day and as if, Lord, you're just so upset about us. We're not doing a good enough job. But, Lord, you're saying, let me deal with that and, I, and just come and enjoy me. Enjoy me day in, day out. Enjoy me every morning. Lord, and I do want to pray Lord, I want to pray if there's people in this room that have yet to come alive to you, Lord, that you will pour out your spirit. Lord, you would even cause them to go to someone and say, I need to be prayed for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or I need to come alive, or I realise that my life isn't in the fullness. I don't, whatever words people use, you know. Lord, and you know that we need to come alive. And I pray, Father, that every heart here will be one of... of uh, uh, um, bowed down in recognition that you are Lord and Father I know these are big things that I've just mentioned but Father I thank you that it is your spirit that made these things real to our hearts so Lord we honour you this morning Lord we want to enjoy you in Jesus name Amen. Amen perhaps the team can give us a song to help us enjoy Enjoy him together.